Welcome to Lakeshore. We're so glad you're here with us today. Welcome to our Smyrna campus. We love you guys. We're so glad you're with us today. Anyone connecting with us online or listening to the podcast later, we're so glad you've connected uh, in that way as well as we share together in God's Word today. We are in this series. Uh, it started with Back to Church Sunday, and the theme is Together. Uh, we are looking at the book of Ephesians and some teachings that we find from the letter Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus there on how the Christian life is designed by God to be lived out together with others. We don't always do it that way, but that's God's plan. That's his intent for all of us. So we've made it to the third Sunday in this series. I think it's time for a pop quiz, don't you? Yeah, some of you teachers in the room, you love to give pop quizzes, I know. You just like to see the anxiety on the kid's face when you say, get out your pens, we're going to do a pop quiz. At least as a student, I used to think they took great pleasure in that. I don't know if they really do or not. So here's a pop quiz. I'm not quizzing you on the past three lessons, but I want to see if you know the answer to this question. I posted this question on our Facebook page. By the way, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we keep you up to date there. We post things all the time to help you keep up to date with what's going on at the church. So I would encourage you to do that. Uh, and I would also encourage you to keep taking selfies when you attend a service at Lakeshore and posting that on Instagram and hashtagging Lakeshore Christian. That helps other people know about our church and know that you're connected to our church so you can help spread the word that way. It's more of bringing people together in Christ. But here's the question that I posted there that I want to post to you today. What is the largest organism on the earth? Both the largest and the oldest organism on the earth. Not the earth itself, but on the earth. What is the largest organism? Now, a lot of people, if you're a scientist or you, you're really into science, you will know that scientists argue a little bit over exactly how we measure that. Okay? But most scientists agree that this one thing is the largest living organism on planet earth. I'll bring up the picture of it here. That's it. It's called Pando. It's located on the southwest bank of Fish Lake in Utah. And it's the biggest grouping of quaking aspen trees ever identified. It covers over 100 acres. But here's the unique thing about it. It's all one root system. Over 100 acres. They're all connected to each other as one organism. But when you look at it and get close, you see a lot of individual trees, don't you? Standing, it looks like, all by themselves. But they're not. Underneath the surface, there's that root system that connects them all together. So they're sharing nutrients and they're sharing uh, the, the, the life-giving uh, rains that come to the ground. They're, they are sharing what gives life to each other all the time. Now, scientists also tell us that they are being threatened a little bit right now with environmental concerns that are going on in the area, uh, but they have survived even those things that are threatening because they are so bound together with each other. I show this to you today as a picture of how we as believers should be connected as one in the church. We are individuals, and we should be individuals. But the fact that I'm rooted in Christ... And then he calls you to be rooted in Christ. If we're all rooted in Christ, what does that do with us? It connects us 
to each other. So deep down, there is that connectivity. When all of us are connected to Christ, by nature, then we're all connected to each other. And the benefit to that is every one of us individually is made stronger by being connected to the others. Individually, we might be strong, but we're not nearly as strong as we can be when we're connected to others the way God designed us to be connected to others. So, if you weren't with us the last couple of weeks, uh, we started with Back to Church Sunday two weeks ago. We've explored the concepts that together we find peace. And together, last week we talked about how together we experience the love of God and love for each other. And today we're going to explore the truth that together we can grow stronger. Now, just a little bit of catch up in case you weren't here over the last couple of weeks. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And Ephesus, the congregation there, was a lot like our church family. It was a very diverse church family. People from all different backgrounds and all different ethnicities and all different cultures, Jews and Gentiles together, rich and and poor together. There was just a good mixture of diversity of people in the church at Ephesus. And as they met together in Ephesus, they were surrounded by a culture very much like our culture. It, It had some Good morality in the culture, but it also had some things in the culture that were totally ungodly, unchristian. In fact, there were still already at Ephesus at that time enemies of the church that were attacking the church. So they were in situation very much like what we face as the church today in America and right here in the Nashville area. They were working with, struggling with this idea of how do we weave all these differences together as one church, as one people? How do we take all the different individuals without destroying that individuality and still bond together as one? You see, being unified doesn't mean you're, you're all the same. That's not what unity is. Unity is being connected to each other Supporting each other, even though we're not all the same. Now, there will be some common things, hopefully, as Christ followers that we all share with each other. But that doesn't mean we're all exactly the same. That's not God's plan for the church. But in light of those challenges, Paul emphasizes over and over again the importance of togetherness and understanding how the gospel is supposed to be lived out in this world. And I have said this in the last couple of weeks. I'm convinced that one of the things we struggle with most in the American church especially, not just Lakeshore but across our country, is to battle against this individualism that we have in this country where we try to be so independent that we're also independent of each other all the time. We don't really connect and support and encourage and hold each other accountable the way we need to as Christ followers. And to battle that, we need to go back to Scripture and see how God planned for the church to function. When I say the church, remember, it's not an institution. It's not a building. The church is what? It's us. It's the people who follow Jesus. So when we talk about, even use the word church, stop thinking about some place you go to, some building that you go to a service at. That's not the church. I see the news media report all the time. Uh, this, this church lost their, they lost their church. It burned down. No, what burned down was the building. The church is still very much alive and active in the people and in the lives of the people. 
So as a church, we need to be living out this life of following Jesus together. The church, by its very nature, is supposed to be a place where we live and learn and worship and grow and make an impact in our world, not individually, but together with each other. So that's why this theme all the way through this series is all about doing this together. In the first half of this letter, you remember Paul emphasized how God wanted to be connected to us so much so that even though we separated ourselves from him by our sin, he sent his son Jesus here to die for us on the cross and conquer sin and rise from the grave to give us victory over sin so that we could be reconnected to him. But he also emphasizes in this letter how when we receive what Christ has done for us, it connects us to each other, others who are connected to God in Christ too. So the beauty of this book is how we, we learn how we can live out this togetherness that God wants us to have by listening to what he teaches the church at Ephesus. So together we can grow stronger. In Scripture, anytime you see the word therefore, remember, remember my rule for that? If you see the word therefore, what are you supposed to do? See what it's there for. Good. You're supposed to see what it's there for. Therefore means, based on all of this, now here is the application of what I'm talking about. The passage that I read today already from Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, is in light of what he's already been teaching all along. Since Christ did this for us, since Christ united us with God, and since being united with God means being united to each other, connected to each other, therefore, here's how we need to live that out. Okay, here's how we need to put that into practice in our everyday lives. So the therefore turns the gospel story directly toward our lives and how the truth of the gospel should impact how we live out our life stories together. Personally, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our state and in our nation and in our world. How we need to live out the gospel in our lives. So peace and love shown through the gospel story now become our story. How do we live out and share our story as followers of Jesus Christ? And we shift, we see the shift he makes there in that passage in Ephesians. Let's go back to verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians 4. Here's what he says, remember. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So he says, all right, here's the life I want you to live that's worthy of what, what God did for you, what Christ did for you, the, the dying on the cross, the raising from the dead. In light of what God's done for you, here's how you need to then live your life worthy of that calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I love how Paul says that in a kind way, bearing with one another in love. You know what he means by that? you got to put up with each other. All the chinks in the armor, all the little flaws, all the little things you don't like, you got to put up with each other in the body of Christ. We are bound to each other, even with all of those little problems and struggles and failures and difficulties that we're struggling with, we're still bound to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, then he goes on to say, make every effort to keep, what's that word? The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I hope you caught the theme of what he's talking about here. The oneness, the unity that God wants us to have. 
God's plan for followers of Jesus Christ is that we be one, that we have unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. Not uniformity, unity. Now, you know the saying here at Lakeshore, given enough time and opportunity, what can we do? Mess it up. That's great. You guys are great students. Either that or I just repeated that so much. You just, you can't help but know it, right? Given enough time and opportunity, we can mess it up. So instead of the church today being unified, what do we see the church living out today in the world? All these divisions and denominations and sects and cults and divisions of the church that are out there. That was never God's plan. It was never what God wanted. He wanted us to have unity as followers of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of things that work against unity, and, and, and we've allowed those things to create division in the body of Christ instead of having the unity. But that doesn't mean we can't get back to working on having this kind of unity. I believe he's calling us, he's teaching us to do that here. So let's look at why this is such a big deal, why it's so important. Jesus, he brought peace and love, and he also brought the ability for us to have this unity that the scripture is talking about here. And that's the life worthy of the calling that we've received, is this unified life that God wants us to have. So, the first thing I want to start with, the, the great benefit of unity is this. There's strength in numbers. Haven't you always heard that? There's strength in numbers. When it comes to the church and Christ followers, friends, we are much stronger together than we could ever be doing this on our own. All of us are stronger when connected to others who have the same commitment to Christ that we have. The same desire to honor him in their lives that we have. The same desire to live out his teachings the way we desire to live out his teachings. There's strength in doing that with others instead of trying to do it on your own. Because I can assure you, as soon as you commit to living this out in Christ, living out his teachings, honoring Christ in your life, the enemy goes on the attack stronger than ever before. Haven't you experienced that? When you decided to get serious about following Jesus, what do you experience almost immediately? Attacks, right? Struggles, problems that, that come up in your life that would keep you from doing that. And, and sometimes you're strong enough, I can tough it out and be okay. But it's, it's more likely for you to be successful if you're connected to others who can encourage and hold you accountable and build you up. And we do this together as Christ followers. Let's look at, in Ephesians 4, another passage here. He went on to teach about this unity. And in verses 15 and 16, he said this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Listen to this last phrase. As each part does its work. The way the church grows and becomes stronger and more able to accomplish what God called the church to do is when all the parts of the body are working together the way God designed us to. Have any of you ever been to the headwaters of any of the major rivers in our country? Here's the thing you have to know about rivers. Some, there's, there's some great 
you know, strong, powerful rivers in this country, the Mississippi, right, the Colorado River, the Rio Grande, the Cumberland here in Nashville. These rivers, though, don't start out as rivers. You know how they all start out? Little drops of water that fall onto usually elevated areas, and they start running down to one lower location, and they start connecting to each other, until they get to this place where they form sometimes streams that begin to run together and those streams run together and they create those rivers. They start with individual drops of water that end up being these mighty rivers that can carve through land even to the place of carving out something like the Grand Canyon. That's how powerful it could be. You see how it all starts with individual drops connecting to each other. Because they are so much stronger together than any of them are individually. And the Christian life works like that. All these drops of water, you know, Christ followers, those individual drops of water, they all serve a purpose individually and they're all individually designed by God with gifts and abilities that can be used. But when you put those together, instead of everybody trying to do their own thing, we're so much stronger as a church as a family, as a body, than any of us are individually. So we can look at this idea of how, how strength in numbers really is true. We are stronger together. The, uh, the early church uh, in Acts 2, uh, we, we've learned already over the last couple of weeks, they, they came together, they did life together, they, they, they met together regularly. They supported and encouraged each other. They taught each other. They built each other up in a way that, that made them grow up and mature in Christ. But they did it together. And the early church turned the world upside down for Jesus in one generation's time by doing that together. It's easy to get disconnected. God loves to use all kinds of things to get us disconnected. You know what he uses most? I got my feelings hurt. Yeah, doesn't it? Isn't that what disconnects people the most? I got my feelings hurt by somebody at the church or something at the church. Something they did do or something they didn't do that we thought they should do, right? And so we disconnect. What if the parts of your body did that? Right? The church is the body of Christ, the scripture says. What if the parts of the body actually did that? I'm not paying as much attention to my big toe, so it just decides to leave. It just disconnects. You know how many parts I'd have left if that happened over and over again? Not many. You see, that's what he's talking about here when he uses that illustration that we are the body. Each part needs to do its work. So in the words of Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Okay? Here's where we need to start. In Genesis 1, God creates Adam. And when he created Adam and he created all the animals, he even had all the animals come in front of Adam and he gave them all their names. And guess what they still discovered? He wanted Adam to discover. God already knew it. It was not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He created another human being for Adam to connect with. He created Eve, designed specifically for him. Now, that's a great illustration of how God designed marriage, but it's more than that, too. It's the fact that human beings aren't designed to do well alone, period. 
any human beings. We all are designed to do life together with other human beings. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. It doesn't matter what your personality or your style is. We are created for relationship. That's exactly why God created us. For relationship with Him and with each other. That's how God designed us to work in this world. To function best in this world. Is to do this together. And it doesn't mean everyone has to be uh, an extrovert greeter at the door here on Sunday mornings. Though some of you could do that and do a great job with it. We appreciate our greeters here. But some of you, that's not what you're gifted to do. But that doesn't mean you don't need to be connected and involved in some other way. It doesn't mean you have to be the upfront person. But you still need to be connected. Even if it's in the background. For the body to function the way it's supposed to function. As we build community and fellowship with each other, however that looks for, for you individually, we become stronger. It's not just about gathering more people together. It's about really being connected to each other. You see, you can gather large crowds together without people really being connected to each other, can't you? And God wants it to be deeper than that for us as Christ followers. He wants us to really be connected and when we're connected, there's strength in numbers because more people means more influence, more creativity, more ability, more skill, more compassion, more relationship, more love, more support, more impact, more giftedness. All, everything's increased when we combine our lives with each other. Everything gets stronger in the life and the work of the church. In the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, there's a great passage that talks about the benefit of that. In Ecclesiastes 4, beginning with verse 9, he said this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If any of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Help, I'm falling and I can't get up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And he adds, a cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. You see, there's strength in being connected to each other. And it's not easy. And for some people, it's not the natural way you want to do things. But he didn't call us to be comfortable, right? He called us to be holy. And the way to live out that holy calling on our lives is to do it in connection with other brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of days where even at this point in my life, some days I just struggle more than others. You have days like that? In my walk with Christ, and, and, and it doesn't mean I don't love God any less. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying some days are just harder than others with all that Satan throws at you and the difficulties that you're dealing with. Some days are just harder than others. And, man, on those days, it sure is good to know I'm not doing this on my own. I've got brothers and sisters in Christ that care about me and love me, and they're, they're holding me accountable, and they're supporting me in what I'm trying to do. We all benefit from that with each other but here's the thing if I need that and want that from others what do I need to be willing to do I need to be willing to be that for others to be there for them to encourage them to hold them accountable to support them in their walk I need to be willing to do that because you can't have one without the other you can't it just won't work that way you have to have both so 
we need to know that, that it is this idea of doing this together and understanding that we're stronger together. The second thing we need to understand from this, the benefit of this, is God's design is for us to be one. We are to be one in Christ. You might say in the words of Sesame Street, today's message is brought to you by the number one. Paul doesn't leave much room for anything else when he says, remember, verse 4 through 6 of Ephesians 4, there's one body, one spirit, you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. <laughs> He's not saying we aren't individuals, we are, but as individuals we'll be, we'll be connected as one in Christ. It's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The human body is, is such a good illustration of this because it's so complex and it's so interconnected with each other. Each part has its own individual design and purpose and function. And each part needs the others to function cohesively so that the body can be strong and effective as a human body. And the same thing is true with the church. We all need to function and do what we're designed to be doing, connected with the rest of the body so that the whole body is made stronger. This idea of the church and the illustration of, uh, of it being like a body is all through Scripture. Romans 12 and verse 5, it says, So we in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Uh, we don't like to have to be accountable to anybody else, especially in the American spirit, right? We're all free to do what we want. Don't nobody, nobody can tell me what to do. I want to live my life the way I want. I'm free. Well, it's true you're free to do that, but you need to understand you miss something when you don't connect with others the way God wants you to. And you're never going to be as strong doing it that way as you could be by being connected to others. You're free to do it, but it's not the best choice. It's not God's choice for your life to live life like that. God's design is for you to do it in connection with others as one body united together. So remember verse 15 and 16 again. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The Bible is full of metaphors for this same concept of being one. Jesus taught about, remember, the vine and the branches. We, we need to stay connected to the vine. And if we're connected to the vine, if I'm connected to the vine and you're connected to the vine, what happens with our relationship? We're connected to each other through the vine, right? That's the way that works. Uh, Ephesians and Corinthians both refer to the church as the bride of Christ, right? You're being united with him, connected together with him as the bride of Christ. There are numerous references to how believers are one in God's household or family all through Scripture. And in all these descriptions, we as the church are, are instructed to be one with each other over and over and over again and given enough time and opportunity what did we do we messed it up but just because we messed it up doesn't mean it's not the right thing and just because we messed it up doesn't mean it's not possible and just because we messed it up doesn't mean God's grace is not big enough to forgive and cleanse and restore and reunite us like we need to be as followers of Christ God can still do this in our lives and in the life of our church so, so this thing called the church needs to be a place of great service and kingdom work. And it should be a place of rest and worship and healing. And all of that works better when we do it together. 
with each other. We need to be together physically and mentally and emotionally and regularly. But I hear people say all the time, I can worship God just as good out by the lake this morning. Right? Don't you hear people make that excuse? I, I connect more with God out in nature. Yeah, I hear those kinds of things all the time. And you may feel personally like, I love that better than being together at a church service. But it's not all about you. The Christian life can never be all about you. It's about how God wants to work through you to serve and bless and connect with others. That's what the Christian life is about. And you can't live that individually, separated and disconnected from all the others. You can't. And you're not ever going to be as strong in your impact and influence in the world trying to do it on your own instead of doing it connected with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You will never fulfill your purpose, God's life purpose for you, by staying disconnected from the body of Christ, ever. You can do life that way, but it's not God's design for your life to do it that way. It's intended to be lived together. Which leads to the last thing today, and I want to close with this one, and that is, well, well if we're supposed to be growing stronger and, and doing life together, uh, here's the last one we need to see. Growth then requires, oh, this word's tough, change. Change. People like to act like they love change. They like to, you know, give that impression that they love change. But how many of you have a routine you do almost every single morning at your house? Almost everybody in the room. How many of you have a routine pretty much all week long? You're going to do pretty much the same things, right? Me too. I've got a routine. You know what I like about the routine? The routine. <laughs> because I'm comfortable with the routine that I have established. Aren't you? You kind of know what to expect when you've got a routine. And that's not a bad thing. Unless the routine becomes more important to you than the mission of Christ. Unless your own personal preferences become of higher value to you than what Christ desires for you in your life. You see, being part of a life group, if you've never done it, it means you're going to have to change your routine. It means it's not just getting home from work every single night of the week and just plopping down in the chair and heating something up in the microwave and, and eating it while you watch The Bachelor or something on TV. Can't believe anybody watches that show. Or The Bachelorette, either one. It's such a ridiculous idea of what relationships ought to be. It's so crazy. And people watch it all the time. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. <laughs> I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. I could go a long time. It means you may have to get home, get cleaned up, and go over to somebody else's house, and you guys share life together. It's a change. It's not your routine. It's not even your comfort zone. But God didn't call us to be comfortable. Remember, he called us to be holy and to impact the world for the kingdom. And sometimes that means we have to be uncomfortable to do that. It means we've got to 
even when it's hard to get up on Sunday morning, even if we worked late Saturday night or we went out and partied late Saturday night, it means we still set the alarm and we still get up and we still come on the church. And even if you sleep through it, I'd rather you be here than not be here. Right? At least we saw your face with the drool coming out of the side of your mouth. At least we saw you. People were able to connect with you on some level, right? It's important that we do the uncomfortable things. And here's what I want you to understand. There is a truth that's a really good truth, but it's not the, the, the whole way this works. I've taught this for a long time. Your thoughts control your actions, and that's true. Your thoughts control your actions. But here's the thing about your thoughts. Your thoughts can also be trained by your actions. Understand what I'm saying? So, if your thinking is, I don't need that, and it's not a big deal, and it's not important, then that's going to control your not choosing to be part of that, right? But here's how you can change that. You start taking the actions even when the thoughts are not dictating them. You choose to make the changes that you need to make. And you do the actions. Here's what I've learned about actions. And I tell people this in their marriage struggles all the time. I just don't feel love toward my partner anymore. Well, act like you love them anyway. Keep doing acts of love anyway. And if you keep doing acts of love, you know what begins to develop? Thoughts and feelings of love. They begin to come back. They do. And it's not the natural thing. It's not the comfortable thing. It's not the easy thing. But the only way to get it turned around is to choose to do those hard things that need to be done. Well, that's true in your Christian life, too. Connecting with others, you know, being at church on Sundays and then going to a life group, that may not be your natural flow and routine. And it may be something you don't feel like doing, but when you start taking the actions that you need to take, you know what's going to happen? Is you start making connections and developing relationships, and it starts feeling more natural, and it starts feeling good, and you start getting something out of it, and you start contributing more to others' lives. Even if you didn't mean for that to happen, it happens. Because God transforms you through that. Because you took the steps you needed to take for God to change your life. You see, growth is change. And if you're going to grow up as a Christian, it means change has to be happening for you to grow. And when you grow, you will continue changing. It's just the natural part of the progression. Choosing to act in obedience to God, despite the thoughts or the feelings will change the thoughts and the feelings over time. Even when you see God teaches you to do something and you don't want to do it, you don't feel like you ought to have to do it, if you just start doing it, you know what's going to happen to your thoughts about that thing? They will change after you do those things for a while that God is telling you to do because you will start experiencing the results that God says you will experience when you do those things. Your life will be changed. It will be transformed. We've got people here at Lakeshore that can share testimonies of how they never done a life group before. They never led a life group before. They decided to step up and lead one or become part of one. And how they never thought it would be all that great. And they really had doubts about it. And now their life group is such a huge part of their lives that they love and they look forward to. I don't mean every day it's easy to get there. I don't mean every time it's easy to get together like you need to. I mean 
you recognize that God's design is really what's best for your life. And you appreciate it more than you ever did before. It's not just life groups. It's, it's connecting on Sundays. It's connecting uh, in other ways, serving together. And life groups do those things together. It's, it's about those relationships that God wants you to do life with together as a Christ follower. You see, if we're going to follow Christ, Paul's telling the church at Ephesus and he's telling us that our behaviors and our actions should look different than the world around us. And that's hard. And it means we've got to make changes. But it's the best life. I see posts all the time, people posting pictures like on vacation, living my best life, right? You don't see what happened on the argument right before the picture, right? Where you couldn't get them all together to pay attention and smile for the picture. You don't see that part. Just my best life picture, right? God says your best life is a life connected to Christ and others who are connected to Christ. That's your best life. That's how he designed life to work. So he said in Ephesians 4, 22, here's what he said. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So he goes on to talk about specific behaviors that need to change, things like anger and stealing and unwholesome talk and bitterness and rage, all those things that we need to start uh, changing in our lives and not continuing to do. You know how, it's, how that works best? It's when you do it together with others. When you've got that accountability and that encouragement. Right now, Sue Ann and I are, are training with a group of runners and walkers to do a marathon. And I can assure you, Saturday morning, I would not have gotten up to go run had we not had others that were going to be meeting us there, expecting us to train them and work with them. Because we didn't get home from a football game out of town until after midnight, Friday night, and we were tired, and uh, the alarm went off, and I didn't want to get up for anything. But I remembered others are counting on us to be there. They're going to be looking for us. They're not going to know what to do if we're not there, what training they need to do, and how far they need to go, and what the route is. They're not going to know all that if we're not there. You see, when you connect with others, there's that accountability that keeps you going, even when you don't feel like it. Even when it's hard, even when, when you'd rather just stay in bed, you know, I'm connected to other people. We, we count on each other. We need to be there for each other. That's what it means to live the Christian life together. So he says, we need to, to do this together. Paul said this about himself. He, he understood how weak he was. And, and uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, he's talking about how, how God told him he could even use that. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong you see in order to do life together you have to get to this place where you completely humble yourself to the point where you confess I'm weak on my own I will be much stronger if I could connect to some other people and my walk with Christ God designed it to be that way but there's got to be a humility in our hearts and our minds that allows us to say, I need the others, and they need me too. 
And we can be there for each other as followers of Jesus Christ. Here's what you got to know. I'm going to close with this. The church will never be a perfect place. Lakeshore will never be a perfect church. You know why? Because the church is what? People. And people are what? Imperfect. Flawed. It's not about us being perfect. It's not about only being connected. If they do everything they ought to do in the right way they ought to do it. That's not what this is about. This is about being humble enough to say, I'm not perfect either, but together let's do this. Let's honor Christ. Let's learn what he wants. Let's follow. Let's put it into practice together. Let's support each other in this because none of us is going to be perfect in this. But you can't do that without being connected. You can't be that help and that encourager to anybody else if you're not connected with those people in life. And here at Lakeshore, we want to help you with those steps of being connected. So today we're going to be able to have a prayer together and offer the invitation that we offer each week. It's an invitation for you to connect with Christ if you've never done that. That's the starting point. But understand that when you connect with Christ, His plan for your life is that you connect with others who are connected to Christ. You become part of a family, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And your presence and your participation and your involvement matters in God's plan for His church and for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that... In this passage and in this series, we've been learning about being together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, I'm sure there's some people here today, Father, people listening today online that maybe they're not connected. Maybe they've never taken the step of connecting with you through your son Jesus and what he did on the cross. And I pray that today, Father, would be the day they take that step of accepting your offer of the blood of Jesus cleansing them of their sin, removing that barrier between you and them so that they could be reconnected to you in their lives. May they come and accept your offer today. There may be those here who aren't connected to a local body of believers. And if, Father, I pray you would help them to understand you didn't design their life to work without that connection in it. And I pray that they would take the step today to connect with a local body of believers. Father, if there's anybody here today that needs to take that step, then I pray that as we sing this song, they would just come up front and make it known that's the step they're ready to take. In Jesus' name, amen.